The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. to one on one with Poppy Chulo. Today is Thursday, February 19th, 2015, and I'm your host Poppy Chulo. Listeners, please welcome to one on one with Poppy Chulo fan favorite gay adult star Seduction. Welcome to the show Seduction. Uh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. You're welcome. I'm glad to have you on. I mean, you've certainly been doing the damn thing. I mean, you're beloved by your fans so i'm really excited to get the chance to chat with you about uh, your career in the business where where should we start <laughs> you know what i typically like to start with getting stats out the way you know because for the most part the fans and, and supporters out there of yours they haven't had the chance to see you in person they only see you you know in the various scenes or in the pictures that you that you've done so let's get to know some of your physical stats what's your height and weight um, I am six foot one, one hundred and eighty seven pounds. Okay, cool. Seduction is tall. For whatever reason, a lot of people think I'm a midget. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. Then when they see me, I'm a lot bigger. They get a little bit taken aback. There you go. What's your ethnicity? Um, I am Puerto Rican and black. Okay, and what's your zodiac sign? I'm a Pisces. Happy early birthday. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. And, My uh, birthday is on the 14th. Oh, okay. 14th of March? Yes. Awesome. And uh, how old are you going to be? I will be 27. Okay, cool. So I want to start off the interview by getting to know the man behind the performer. Where are you originally from? Um, I'm originally from Long Island, New York. Have um, Growing up, I was a military brat, and so, of course, you know, that requires you to move every three years. So I've been, I've lived in quite a few different places. Okay. <clears throat> You've lived all over the world or all over the country? Uh, well, the only place that I lived internationally with my family was in Japan in 1995. Um, aside from that, I was just more or less up and down the East Coast, and yeah, that's about it. <laughs> okay, cool. That's awesome. You got the chance to try different cuisines of, of, you know, the East Coast. Right. So, uh, being a military brat, what was life like growing up for you? What was seduction like as a teen, as a kid, as a teenager? Um, well, I, I'm an extrovert uh, as far as, like, socially always had lots of friends, always was uh, very loud, you know, the life of the party type, whatever, you know, 
prom king, do, you know, things of that nature. As far as, like, my home life, I was a, I was brought up an only child, and my mother, she was a teacher. My stepfather was, of course, a drill instructor in the Marines, so <clears throat> there was very little time for any foolishness or, you know, extra in in our immediate family. And, of course, me being an extrovert and them being an introvert, we just didn't, we tended to bump heads a lot, and so I was liberated at a very early age. Okay. When did you first realize your attraction to men? Um, I think I, I think I always had it, I just never acted on it, and uh, honestly, coming up, I didn't even realize that men actually could have sex. I just thought that being gay just meant that you were of course tra- attracted to men and I thought the extent of that was possibly something along the lines of some kind of like oral play I didn't realize that men could go <laughs> could do everything that heteros could do so that was quite a shock to me <laughs> surprise I didn't act on it. right I didn't act on it until I was uh, 15 I lost my virginity to a female 14 then I acted on it at 15 so after you started having experiences with men and uh, you realized that you had an attraction for men and that you were gay, did you have, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, that coming out moment? Did you come out to your family? Nope. Okay. Yeah, I still haven't. It's not, that, it's not that they don't know. There's very little that I can hide these days, nor do I care to hide. It's just more one of those don't ask, don't tell type scenarios. My mother... As far as I know, she's supportive of me as long as, you know, her, always her criteria, as long as I'm safe, I'm happy, you know, she'll be supportive or whatever. But at the same token, whom I entertain intimately, I don't think that is necessarily her business or something that I am very comfortable in sharing. So I more or less keep that to myself. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Makes things easier. Right. What were and you not doing? to mention, me and my mother, we're, we're estranged, so, like, I don't even see her too often. Like, I'll probably see her, like, once every three or six years, and I've been on my own since I was 16, so, like, you know, who I'm dating or dealing with like that, that's, like, really not a topic of conversation. <laughs> what was that like for you, being on your own since the age of 16? Um, definitely hard, but, you know, it makes you stronger in who you are. Yeah, I would imagine so. I would. So, so um, from the age of 16 to now, you've been pretty much on your own? Yes. Okay. Of course, I, you know, I, I was, I'm survived through, you know, friends and, and associates and people who have helped me along the way, of course. But as far as, you know, being in my with my family, I have been, yeah, I've been on my own since I That's interesting. Well, I guess now, well, I guess the best thing that I could say is that uh, sometimes the family that you're born into isn't the family that you're always with. I mean, I think, you know, as you grow up and you start realizing that maybe you don't fit in with the family that you were given, you sort of end up developing your own family and support system through your friends and the people that you get to know in life. Right. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. I'm sure it must have been very difficult, though, sort of being out there at 16. 
will vary. I mean, you know, I've, 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 because I, I don't necessarily want a pity party because first I'm still here and it made me stronger and I can tell the tale. Unfortunately, some of some individuals whom are adolescents upon, you know, coming out or whatever their case may be, didn't fare off as, as, as good as I did and, you know, are, are no longer here. You know, you have to develop a strong, a strong skin and, you know, some people succumb to bullying in high school or, you know, whatever the case may have been. And I just, my, always my, my mode of, of life is just to survive and, you know, do it by any means necessary. And, you know, unfortunately, not everybody is that strong-willed. You know, regardless of who says what or what's happening, I've got to make a way for myself. Absolutely, man. Um, it's good to hear a a person take a situation that wasn't necessarily the best, uh, you know, especially at the age of 16. But you certainly, you know, made the best of it. And uh, as you said, you survived and uh, you're here to tell the tale. Right. Yeah. So what was going on with your life prior to entering the gay adult industry? Um, I was bouncing around quite a bit, bouncing between jobs, um, state to state. You know, I, I was literally just just living in the best way I could. It was, um, I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't want to say committed, even though that's the word I'm saying, the word I'm looking for. But I just wasn't. There was nothing stable in my life. I'll say. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was just still, in essence, just trying to survive. Absolutely. I just, I just recently got out of school. Um, yeah, that was that was about it. Okay, so what led you to the adult industry? Um, I had recently relocated to New York City from Washington, D.C., and I was having difficulties trying to find a job. I had submitted my resume. You know, I had uh, taken my rounds trying to apply at different places and different prospects. Unfortunately, they um, weren't working out in my favor, and... Uh, an ex-partner uh, of mine, um, he was actually an adult entertainer. I didn't know it uh, when we first got together, but then I realized that he was an adult entertainer. He set me up with my first scene, and the reason why it, I was able to do it uh, was because, of course, me and him had, of course, already been intimate, so it was just us doing what we were accustomed to doing. It was just there was a third party there with the camera, he set me up that just so I would be able to get a little extra change in my pocket so, you know, I could see myself and, you know, print out more copies of my resume and King goes and, you know, all all those kinds of things. And upon working with him, uh, it caused a a little ripple effect where people had saw it, they were interested in working with me and um from there I just started getting requested by different different companies and I kept at it. Nice. That's interesting. Yeah. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, because uh, I believe I read this somewhere, that uh, the the person uh, that that you had dated was Nubius, correct? Correct. Okay. That's interesting. It's, it's funny. It's a small world after all. Right. Yeah. 
So in total, how long have you been in the gay adult industry? Um, in total, in to it, it's, it's a lot longer time span, but I haven't been active that long. In total, I've been in it for, I'd say, four and a half, maybe five years. But in between there, I took a two and a half year break because I was with my partner at the time. And of course, he wasn't comfortable with me working in that profession. So I took two years, two years and some change off. And after we broke up, I just got back at it. Okay. So you've been in the game for four-ish years, but you've really only been in the game for like maybe about two-ish years. Yes. Okay. Because majority of the film, like the first year that I did it, I went really hard. The first year I did like maybe 25 scenes or oh, wow. 25, something like that. Then upon me coming back, I've done like five or six, maybe seven now. I'm not sure. So now I've got like 30-some, 31 scenes under my belt now. Okay, cool. How did you come up with your poor name? Um, I'm a fan of Usher, and he had a, a, a single on his album entitled Confessions, which was entitled Seduction, and I'm a very big fan of that song. And uh, I've, I was honestly a dancer before I was a porn star, and uh, I've always, for whatever reason, that name that name has always stuck with me. Anytime I wanted to come out, that was always the name that I chose. It either started, it was going from hypnotic, which was, of course, the lamest name you can come out with, or seduction. And I chose the lesser of two evils, and it stuck with me all these many years now. Okay. I think you made a good choice. <laughs> Thank Although you. hypnotic isn't that bad. <laughs> well, it's like 500 other folks named hypnotic, so. Well, that's true. <laughs> And seduction is quite, from from what I understand, it's not an uncommon name either, but there's a lot less seductions than there are hypnotics. I can believe it. I want to go back to that first day on set. What was going on in your mind, you know, as you were doing your first official scene? My first official scene was, of course, <clears throat> how was I going to look? How did I look on camera? Was I making the right decision? And who in God's name was going to see this film? And I was hoping, <laughs> in, my, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, this is something small I'm going to do. Nobody's going to see this. It's going to get pushed under the rug. I'm just going to get this little check, go on about my business, and we're never going to speak of such evil again, <laughs> and I'm going to move on with life and pretend it never happened. <laughs> But obviously, that's not what happened. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah, because Seduction is still in the game, on the grind, and grinding himself. <laughs> right. For lack of a better word. What do you enjoy most about starring in porn scenes? Um, It's sad to say, but I... At, in at times, I can be somewhat of an attention whore, so it gives me a little bit of a, a little bit of attention. Uh, meaning, you know, I can get some kind of a, a claim, or, or you know, pe perhaps people recognizing you. That that intrigues me a little bit, just a little extra, a bit of attention. And um, aside from that, more or less, this is just a great little side occupation. You know, I. I look at it as work. So, I mean, when I do it, it's when I go on set, it's work. Um, and, of course, you reap the benefits of work, and, you know, that's about it. 
Okay. Now, as far as, like, let's say the good and the bad about being on set, what turns you on the most and what turns you off the most uh, while on set? Uh, well, as far as turn off on set, of course, it's a fantasy production. So, therefore, people want to see things that they may not accust- or may not do normally in their, in their sexual escapades. So... The biggest thing that they promote in videos is for you to verbalize things and they want to hear you and they want you to have sound effects and things like that. In my personal life, I'm as quiet as a church mouse. Like, I don't feel the need to, oh, yeah, take this. and I, don't, I hate that. So when they encourage you to do those things on camera, I hate that. But, you know, it comes with the territory and, and you know, some, some um, directors really stress for you to vocalize things so you know that's where it comes into being a professional and performing um as far as turn ons um of course some of the models that you work with you know they are very attractive individuals so that's a perk and uh turn ons aside from that you know perhaps you can since we're all both prof- you you as a model and the other co-star that you're with you know, you're both professionals and you're both trying to trying to do something to to go across camera to draw attention or, you know, give a good performance. So we're all trying to put on a show, for lack of better words. So, you know, you bring your A-game and your A-game can be enticing. Very good answer. Right now, I want to break a porn scene down with you. In a scene, which do you enjoy the most, giving or receiving oral? Hmm. I enjoy both. Like that, I I really don't have a, a preference as far as giving or receiving oral. That's just enjoyable from both ends. <laughs> <laughs> What about rimming? Do you enjoy giving or receiving? Yeah, I enjoy both of those too. <laughs> I, I definitely am a fan of oil, so yeah. In a scene, what's your favorite sexual position? Uh, a scene and in my personal. Doggy is the best way, regardless. Giving or receiving, doggy style for me is just something about see, if I'm the top, seeing another male and seeing that arch in their back, that is definitely uh, uh, definitely a turn-on. And then I enjoy, if I'm bottoming, I definitely just enjoy that that position. It doesn't, for whatever reason, that position is not painful for me. And also I enjoy the whole dominating dominating uh, aspect of it. In that position, the, you give the other individual, you know, power, and to you, they can be aggressive as they want in that position. So that's just a, it's just a nice, a nice equation. I like doggy. <laughs> Apparently, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> in a scene, which do you enjoy the most: topping, bottoming, or flip flopping? Um. And this is in a scene. Mm-hmm. And in a scene, the only reason I would say bottoming is because 
you and not in some some companies you do have your preferences to who you will work with. Not all companies. Some companies they choose for you, which is not the best of things because you're the entertainer. So therefore, whatever whomever you're working with, you need to be stimulated by that individual. And sometimes they might pair you up with someone whom you don't necessarily find attractive, but that's where it comes into being a professional. So you still, you know, do what you have to do, give a good performance and, you know, and go about your business. So with me, I am very, I am very, not not specific is the wrong word, but, you know, I'm attracted to what I'm attracted to. I'm not attracted to what I'm not attracted to. So it would be hard for me to be at my utmost erectile capacity for somebody whom I'm not attracted to, whereas others, you know, they're hard. You know, you see a pencil sharpener, they just get hard. I'm not one of those individuals. I have to be attracted to the person. So if I'm bottoming, I wouldn't necessarily have to worry about that. So that's the only reason why I would not mind, I wouldn't mind bottoming in my sales. Okay. So you're not attracted to pencil sharpeners? (laughs) <laughs> Not at all. Okay, I think this is like late-breaking news. <laughs> I know some of my colleagues, I mean, they could just, at the drop of a dime, they look at a shoe, a bandana, a jar of mayonnaise, they just get hard. I'm not one of those individuals. Jar mayonnaise. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, how every scene ends, the pop shot, the cum shot. In a scene, where is your favorite place to shoot your load, and where's your favorite place to take a load? I definitely like to shoot my load on somebody's ass or their back. Um, somebody else shooting on me. <laughs> uh, as long as it's not in my hair or my eye, I'm okay. Because I, I get off, my, my whole thing is pleasing some, someone. I get off by giving somebody else pleasure, so therefore... Whatever pleases them, I'm down with. As long as you don't get it in my eyes and my hair, I'm good. <laughs> How would you describe your fuck style? Um, rough, aggressive, um, uh, um, what's the word for, uh, I forgot the word I'm looking for, but you know the people that uh, that that can bend in all kinds of positions. Contortionist. And, yeah, it's something along those lines. <laughs> You've done acrobatic. Oh, acrobatic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Get it, seduction. <laughs> You've done a lot of incredible scenes. I mean, you've had a lot of phenomenal scene partners. I mean, I can just name a couple off the top of my head, like Remy Mars, Nubius, Red, Bam Bam, Drilla, Rio. My question for you is, who have been some of your most favorite performers to work with? Um, well, there was only one individual, only one individual whom... I was more or less starstruck. It was one of my earlier scenes because um, I actually was accustomed to watching him at home. He helped me through a lot of lonely nights. So upon working with him, that was like was kind of surreal. Um, the one person that I had a crush on prior to me working with him was Venom, Kevin Mines. Oh, okay. Um, so you fanned so, out. 
Yeah, so that was that was definitely interesting because I because again that was one of the companies where you weren't aware of whom you were going to work with, and he lived in Philadelphia. I live in New York, so there wouldn't be a real reason for him to be in New York other than work. So I was approaching the the location of the sh- where the shoot was going to be, and I happened to see him walk past me. He was on the way going to the store, Starbucks, or something. I was like, "Oh my God, that's who my scene is with," and I I. Technically, was scared shitless, but at the same token, I had a crush on him. So, he was definitely one of my favorites, and we have developed a friendship outside of of the um, of, outside of the industry. So, he was cool to work with. Um, uh, me and Bam Bam have great rapport with each other. Me and Rio have great rapport with each other, and those those would be like some of my top favorites. Who haven't you worked with uh, that you're looking forward to working with in the future? Hmm. Um. Um. Uh, I can't say because when he first came out, because uh, he's the hottest new craze there is right now, and. I I I had taken an interest in him like within his first scene. I just thought he was very attractive, and I liked the versatility of his whole persona. He's, he's versatile, and he's he's can he can accommodate you regardless of your top or bottom, whatever. He has all the assets to accommodate you. I definitely like uh, uh, XL. All right, all of the assets to accommodate you. Right. That's an interesting way of putting things. <laughs> right. Okay, if we want to dumb it down a little bit, he's got a fat ass. He's got a big... He's got. He's well endowed, so just it seems like a good time. <laughs> there you go. Throughout all the scenes that you've done, who has possessed the biggest dick that you've had to take on in a scene? And if, um, you know, length versus... Girth, you know, if someone was the longest but wasn't necessarily the thickest, and someone was the thickest but wasn't necessarily the longest. I mean, you can you can categorize it if you want. Right. Well, some, again, the person who has who has that title for both the girth and length that was uh, Venom. Okay. Oh, actually, okay, wait. No, well, him and Hot Rod are tied. They both. It was that was a lot to take on. That was that was a whole lot. So. Both of them have that going forward. They left you walking with a limp for like a couple a, a days. Now there was, of course, working with Venom. I was, I, it was, it was a bit of a tedious scene because that was that was that's a lot to put on one individual. But I was more starstruck, so you know, I just was able to work through it or whatever. I can say one of my worst scenes, and not because, not because I didn't. Uh, like him or because of the shoot or anything it was just it was more painful than any kind of enjoyment was working with hot rod that was the worst <laughs> like after that scene i was over it. the brown eye was not happy no not at all and it was because it, it was a threesome that i did it was for dog pound it was me hot rod and superman and both myself and Superbad were com- so ready to leave that set. It was absolutely ridiculous. Good grief. 
do you watch your own scenes? Is that something that you try to do, or are you the type of person that's like, I don't really want to watch myself? I absolutely never want to watch myself. That is the worst thing ever. Okay, so you stay away from your scenes. Yeah, and mind you, with with me, it's very strange. I actually have a porn addiction, like, you know, <laughs> of course, absence is the best way, whatever, but porn helps me through a lot of lonely nights or whatever. And the thing that has ruined that for me is because I don't like necessarily watching scenes with either myself or people whom I know personally. I'm like, you know, I just played cards with you the other night. I don't want to see you fucking. Like, that's, that's just not something that's going to interest me anymore because I know these people personally. So that has kind of messed up the whole porn thing for me. <laughs> so, like, my my goal when I'm trying to search for a scene is, of course, something that looks interesting and seeing people whom I don't know. Okay, that makes sense. It's it's funny, but it but it makes complete sense. How old were you? Just speaking of porn in general, when you saw a porn film for the very first time, Mister uh, Porn Addict. Um, that was that's how I lost my virginity to a male. He popped in a VHS that I didn't even know existed. I didn't know that men could have sex, and he put it in, and I was so so in awe and taken aback by the footage that I was seeing on the TV that, you know, action just led into what they led into, and I just went with it because I was so intrigued by the damn take. Wow. You are like, teach me the wonders of this gay sex. <laughs> right. Now it's time for the big question, the question I'm sure all of your hardcore fans are dying to know. How much is seduction packing? Uh, well, myself, I'm packing nice. Okay. At the end of a scene, as uh, we mentioned earlier in the interview, there's the pop shot. For you, is there anything that you try to do to make sure you got a good pop? Are you the type of person that watches what you eat, makes sure you eat certain things, make sure you abstain from touching yourself or having sex before a scene? Like, what goes into your thought process, you know, to make sure that you have some type of a load on scene? I just want to jerk off for a while because, <laughs> again, okay. I have an issue. Porn, porn and me, me jerking off is a problem. It probably about at least six times a day. So if I know I have a scene coming up, I try to keep it. I try to hold out for like three days. Okay, six times a day. Yeah, I have a problem. Don't judge. <laughs> I'll try not to. I'm, I'm seeking counseling. I know there needs to be some kind of intervention or groups for people like me, but I'll look into it one day. <laughs> there are masturbation anonymous. <laughs> But you better watch. You better watch out, cause it might turn into like a group circle jerk or something. <laughs> What's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you on a porn set? Hmm. Um. Funny. I don't know. Um. Uh, well, these things weren't funny, but, you know, they were fu uh, funny occurrences or whatever. Like the scene I did with Driller, we were working in a room, a very small room. The, the temperature that day was 99 degrees. 
there were, and then of course you're already hot because of the lighting that they use. The lighting already adds like another 10 degrees and there was no air conditioning. So we were about to die in there and we just had to call that like a couple times because it was just ridiculous. Like it was beyond sauna. It was just hot. So we, it wasn't, it wasn't something funny because we surely weren't laughing about it, but that was thinking back on it now. That was, that was a lot. Um, Aside from that, I guess maybe catching catching a cramp when you when you're coming that's always not a good thing. But you don't want it to show off on camera, so you know the the camera will be focusing on you busting, so they won't catch your facial expressions. But the other model will, so we would be laughing amongst each other while we're trying to get our hamstring out of that 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 tightness. Good I think grief. that happened with me. That, that happened with me and Remy, I believe. Catching a cramp while you're coming—that sounds horrible. It is the worst thing in the world because you don't want to stop because you know whatever feels good. Then, of course, you just you have to you have to bring emphasis to that whole situation because that's the climax of the entire video. That's what people are, w- are waiting for. And then you know it was just. <laughs> so you just have to sit there and endure the pain for for a minute and not bring any attention to it that the camera will pick up on. So you're just like miserable for like until the cramp goes away. I certainly believe that. Good grief. Doesn't that sound fun at all? So <laughs> from the funny to the embarrassing, has anything embarrassing ever happened to you on set? Um, I think... Yeah, one time I was uh, working on a dog pound scene, and uh, again, my my niche in these scenes, I always put myself in a position that normal people wouldn't because it's just ridiculous. But I think I was like on top of something or or bend it up in some kind of way, and I fell off <laughs> fell off the bed or whatever. I don't like I was on top. Uh, like there was a a headboard. And I believe I was on top of it in some kind of strange position. And I think I fell off of it. <laughs> so, yeah, that, was, that wasn't the best of things. <laughs> I would assume so. So we've talked about the funny. We've talked about the embarrassing. What's the craziest thing that you've had to do in a scene, in your opinion? <sighs> I probably have to give credit to my my wonderful ex Nubius because he for whatever reason in all his scenes he always feels the need to incorporate a whole gallon of spit everywhere and that pisses me off so bad and it was one scene that we did I believe for like thug overload or something and he was just spitting everywhere and I'm just like what the hell are you doing can you stop and he's like I think he's spitting my mouth or something it was disgusting and I was just like what the fuck what are you doing <laughs> and that really pissed me off. That that pissed me off immensely. And after they called cut, I, I <laughs> everybody started laughing, but I cursed him out. I cursed the director out. I cursed everybody out. I was I was very ill about that. You were swimming in a little uh, a little lake, the Lake Nubius. Right, and, that, and I think that was that's unnecessary. There's no, there's no reason for you to do all that. <laughs> Right now, I want to take the interview into a different direction and talk about some of the serious issues in the gay adult industry. So, 
my question for you is, uh, as a performer of color in the gay adult industry, have you ever felt any racism or discrimination directed at you? Um, I can't say that I can, honestly, because of the the companies, and that <laughs> that might be somewhat of a biased um, a biased movement because I, all the companies that I have worked for have been more or less urban companies. So their their all their models, the 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 uh, people that they market their videos to are all urban, you know, thug, you know, type scenarios. And honestly, those are the only companies that I have worked for. So there there was never any any racist things directed at me because we were all of the same genre. But considering that I have not worked for any other companies, who knows? Okay, I like that answer. That's a, that's a good answer, and it's a respectable answer. What is your opinion on the popularity of bareback porn in the gay adult industry? Um, me personally, and I, I guess I would lose a bit of credibility for it because, again, I do, in fact, perform uh, for bareback videos. I was very apprehensive about it. I actually didn't want to do it. I was a hundred percent against it. Uh, the first, like the first. I'd say 20 scenes that I did, they were all protected, and I was comfortable with that. For whatever reason, they encourage you to mo uh, migrate to the bareback uh, companies. Then also the bareback companies pay a bit more than the protected companies. And what I, me, myself, as a model, don't understand, I, like, at first in 2015, I don't necessarily get it because we all know the... Um, the the what's what's the word I'm looking for the risks that come with risky behavior. So I wouldn't know why just in people in normal people's leisure sexual activities why they would you know just with some random person whom they don't know entertain unprotected sex. But however in videos what I don't get is you know if, if that's what you are willing to do in your personal life that's okay I wouldn't suggest it. But the only justification I could think that they could have for wanting to do that is because the biggest complaint is you don't get to feel things and it wouldn't feel as perhaps good as it would without a condom that it would with. However, with the bareback companies, what I don't understand is why is it so, why I don't understand why it's so, so, um, why it's so encouraged because the people that are watching these films, they go up for, for the bareback videos, but it's not like they can feel anything. So I don't understand what, the difference is for the viewer as to why they prefer bareback so much over overprotected because they can't feel anything. They're still seeing the same thing. They're still seeing two men or women or whatever it is that you're watching. You're still seeing the same individuals whom you may find attractive going at it. The fact that it's protected, that there's still no less enjoyment that you can get out of the film. I don't get that. You're actually leading me into my next question, uh, which, uh, which, I mean, as you said, I mean, you've done bareback scenes, and, it, it, you know, you sort of uh, mentioned your contemplation as far as wanting to do it, but what ended up sort of being, like, the thing that pushed you over, over and was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do bareback scenes? 
um, there was a company that had been trying to get me to work with them for years. And I always turned them down because that just wasn't something that interested me. And I had a friend, one of my only friends, one of my very few friends that I do have from the industry who was working with them. And he encouraged me to do a scene and he, you know, gave me the stipulations and assured that everything would be, you know, on the up and up and was uh, conducted accordingly. And with more or less with his persuasion because he was a friend and then also of course the determining factor they they pay more okay and after you made the decision or as you're making the decision was there at all like a thought in your mind of like what people would think about your decision to do bareback because i know that at least i would say maybe within the past couple of years Bearback has been a bit more accepted in a sense by the industry than it was, mm-hmm. you know, maybe seven plus years ago when it was right. seen very much as taboo and, uh, right. you know, a lot of performers were shunned uh, right. in the beginning when they decided to do bareback. But, I mean, nowadays, I mean, a lot of the studios have even turned from condom only to bareback and, uh, you know, bareback performers are are frequently either in bareback scenes or you know they do condom work as well so the studios seem to be a little bit more accepting in a sense so did any of that go into your mind as you were making your decision as well as like how the fans would react right um well well again with anything you do regardless if you are (laughs) if you're if you're the head of a recreational after-school program, if you're doing porn, whatever you're doing, you're always going to receive positive and negative uh, feedback. So there's always critics out there. And again, what we are doing as the models and entertainers, it's a product that we're producing. What we're, what we're doing is putting on a show for these people to speculate, watch, and look. Um, I can't, you know, people are entitled to their opinions. So I can't take that away from them, nor the, the negative opinions nor do I really care. That's not my concern. My concern is to put out something that the people who do enjoy things will be able to enjoy and for my payment for my work. So, you know, as far as the negativity that comes with it, it just comes with it. You either accept it, move on, and if you can't accept it, then you are in the wrong profession. And that's anything, be it porn, be it, you know, a, a vocalist, whatever. So I really didn't take that too much into into um into i didn't take that too much into consideration i like that answer is there a misconception or myth about porn stars that you would like to dispel um well two my biggest um two for whatever reason people think if you are a porn star that you're dumb that you have nothing going for yourself or no kind of future, no kind of goals, or, you know, they just think that the only thing that you have the capability of doing is having sex, which I completely don't understand. I think that's dumb. It's just that some people enjoy entertaining. Some people enjoy getting a check, whatever their, whatever their, their reasons may be behind doing it, or maybe it was just on their bucket list. They just wanted to do it before they died. You know, everybody, every human on this, on this earth, 
unless you're just a, one of the very unlucky, awkward ones, everybody has sex. Regardless how you do it or whom you do it with, we all have sex. Why porn stars are put on such a, a, a pedestal and why they are, you know, the negative feedback that we do receive from some individuals, I don't understand why we get such a bad rap for it. First of all, some people's, the, well, the people, a lot of the people whom judge us for what we do, they do the same thing, if not more, if not more risque, if not more, more, uh, more promiscuous. They do all these things, if not more. And then, you know, if you make a home video, you're doing the exact same thing that we're doing. There's absolutely nothing different. So why people feel the need to throw such judgment and have a disapproving disposition about it, I'll never know. Different strokes for different folks. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to comment. That's on you. So, you know. Another great answer from Seduction. In your opinion, is there any competition among performers in the gay adult industry? Uh, in general? Mm-hmm. Um, well, of course. Uh, you know, I, I'm guessing anybody who does it would want to be the best at their craft and, you know, get the most notoriety and, you know, get recognized for their work. And, of course, there are some who shine in a more, uh, more rememberable than others. That's the whole thing. If you're doing this, you want to be rememberable. You want to be different so that, you know you can you can be you can shine in your own light versus just being yet another porn star because again in 2015 there's like 563,000 uh, quote unquote porn stars out and you know if you're one who is recognized and you work with a lot of companies and things and apparently you're good at what you do like me me, me per se as a, as as a model myself I'm not necessarily in competition with anybody. I do whatever, whenever I go on set or do anything, I just try to make sure that I do what I do the best way I can. I can't be worried about anybody else. All I can do worry about is making sure I put on a good performance myself, something that perhaps I could be proud of my performance. And if it comes with a claim, it comes with a claim. But I'm not worried about what the next individual is doing. But just some happen to do it better than others. Another great answer. Seduction, you keep on bringing it with the answers. <laughs> yeah, man. So let's move away from the serious questions, and let's talk a little bit more about you. In your opinion, what part of your body is the sexiest and why? Um, well, you, you know, the truly conceited thing to say is all of me, of course, but um, if one specific part personally what I would be attracted to in another individual and a, a part of me that I do like, I like the color of my eyes. And I feel that if you, majority of the time too, if, when you're fucking, you really don't get a chance to see him because again, if you're in my favorite position, which I already specified, which is doggy style, you don't see somebody's face. So, but I, you know, if the person has attractive eyes, I like to look in their eyes. And on the flip side, in your opinion, what part of your body do you like the least? I would definitely have to say feet. I just don't like feet in general. I don't like my feet. I don't like any other. I don't want no grown man's feet near me. <laughs> keep, them, keep them away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a bit about tattoos. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, well, myself, I have 27 now, I believe. Good grief. I'm starting to lose track. <laughs> um, uh, of course, it comes with, I think, I, well, my personal experience, I think it comes with the territory. The more tattoos you have, the more marketable you are. It goes for that whole persona or whatever. But um, I I really like body art, and they they never lie when they when you say it's addictive. Because I'm not a fan of pain at all. I hate any kind of pain. You know, the thought of needles is just not something that uh that I you know get enjoyment out of. But I definitely like body art, and I think that is also as far as tattoos are concerned, have helped me be memorable and has set me aside from other models is because I have very distinctable tattoos. Like upon doing a scene, if people see stars, they pretty much are aware that it's me. Definitely, man. Is there a favorite tattoo that you have? Um, well, I like all my tattoos, but I can say that I like, I, I just like what comes with my stars because everybody knows when they see stars in that one area, they know it's me. Even if they don't, because like there's been plenty of of venues that I've gone to because I'm a dancer as well and I've gone to these venues and they had no idea who I was or why I was there or what I was going to do but as soon as they saw my stars they were like oh shit that's him I get it and then that might have brought on more tips or more interest or you know people recognize me so I like that and we like more tips <laughs> definitely, definitely yeah how often do you work out <laughs> um can I lie for this answer? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> um, well, okay. Well, in that case, I work out all the time. But honestly, I don't work out at all. I think between Christmas and now, I've maybe have done 10 push-ups and 10 sit-ups. <laughs> or maybe gone to the gym twice. I hate gym. You know, it's a lifestyle now. Everybody, everybody now on Instagram is all about taking a picture in the gym and, and taking a picture of their seven meals that they've made for the next oncoming week, you know, uh, training dirty, eating clean. That shit doesn't excite me. And it's like, I, I don't, I hate, I hate eating healthy. I hate working out. I, tr I definitely try to do it. Um, I'm get definitely getting better at it because I'm actually a diabetic and it was beneficial for me, for my health. And then also, of course, you know, when you do work out or eat better, you, um, you you feel better and you're more confident. So I'm definitely in trying to pursue that more. But as of right now, I'm definitely not one of those strict individuals that is on an eating regimen and go to the gym twice a day. That's not me at all. Okay, but you got to make sure that blood sugar's on point. Exactly. In your opinion, since you have been in a couple of relationships while you've been in the industry and. Uh, mm -hmm. My question for you is, uh, as far as relationships and romance, how difficult is it to maintain a relationship while working in the gay adult industry? And is it easier to date a performer versus someone who's not affiliated with the business? Um, I really don't even have a good answer for that because... Uh, uh, as far as dating another entertainer, I've never done that, so I wouldn't know. Um, and looking at other colleagues of mine who have relationships, I definitely am an advocate for it, and I can appreciate it, and I admire them for doing it, and I'm rooting for them. But um, I, I know, if, well, first of all, a relationship is difficult regardless, regardless of the porn thing or whatever. A relationship is difficult. It's not easy. Um, 
you know, so adding that yet again, another, another variable of the equation has got to be pressure on the two individuals. But I could imagine, or I would think that it would be a lot easier to date another entertainer versus just, just, uh, uh, regular nine to five individual because, you know, that you have to be very secure with yourself and in your relationship to date an individual whose occupation is to be intimate with other people. And um, with my, the reason why I had taken that two year break, um, the individual whom I was with, he was very insecure. He was very possessive. So therefore he didn't really, he didn't, he couldn't, he couldn't live with that aspect. It was either him, him alone, and that was it. I wasn't allowed to wave at other folks or anything. I had a real position bottom around that time. So it was just like, it's either me or, or nothing at all. So I had to let that go because I thought that our relationship deserved priority over anything else. And then the other individual whom I was with, um, we were together for a year and I'm, I'm comfortable and I'm secure as long as I and myself, as long as I feel that I get priority over, over everything else, not everything meaning like, I'm not going to say priority over your job or priority over your family priority over God, but I'm just saying regular things. As long as I feel that I get priority, I'm okay with what you do. So my, the individual I was with for a year, for whatever reason, he felt the need to actually pursue getting into the adult entertainment industry and of course, I felt like I would be a hypocrite if I told, if I discouraged him from that because I do it. So you know, shit, whatever. So I actually got him his first scene with Dog Town, and he he hasn't done one since. But you know, it was something he was willing, he wanted to do. So you know, I helped him. I, you know, anything you want to do, as long as I as long as I feel it's not going to be dangerous for you or myself, or it might be beneficial, or it's just something that you want to do, I'll be supportive of. So. I supported him in that, and that was it. But um, dating as as an entirety, being an adult entertainer, it's definitely difficult. For me, at least. I can't speak for everybody else. In your personal life, what's your sexual role? Um, Well, I'm completely versatile. So, for whatever reason, majority of the last three boyfriends I had were all bottoms. Um, I'm, I'm by no means a full-fledged top at all. I'm not going to pretend to claim that. I'm not going to claim that. I, I enjoy getting and receiving, but for whatever reason, um, all the individuals whom I, whom I am with for long periods of time and we have obligations to each other tend to be bottoms. I think it's because, I think it's because perhaps tops might be more possessive. And they may not, you know, they, I don't know. But either way, my last three, my last three boyfriends were bottoms. That was it. But I'm completely personal. Tell me something quirky about yourself that most people don't know. <laughs> um, quirky. Okay, let me give a, let me give a nerd aspect. I am obsessed with the Golden Girls. All right now. <laughs> and I have volume one through eight on DVD, so I don't think it gets any more quirky than that. <laughs> Who do you identify with the most? Probably Sophia, because she talks so much shit. But but <laughs> um, but also with my with you know my, my friends and colleagues and stuff, 
I'm the porn star, so then, of course, that brings Blanche on. Okay. Now, I had the chance to, to basically read a bio of you, and uh, something that I found very unique about you is that you have a very interesting phobia. <laughs> the, the doll? Yes, explain this to me. <laughs> so you don't like Annabelle. You did not you did you were not someone that ran to the theaters to see Annabelle. I, I actually did run to see it though. I love war films. Like uh, any film that can make me scream, I love it. But my worst fear though is is dolls. I don't know why. I just I guess what all started off was Chucky. I just don't I don't like anything little running around, you hear it breathing and running and biting and shit. I don't like shit like that. Dolls don't uh, I, 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 the puppet master Chucky. Then the wor my worst nightmare ever come true that was ever put on film. It was called Tales from the Hood, and, and it was there was one scene because it was like it was like six scenes in one movie, and one scene was yes. about uh, the yeah, doll the, the, attacking it, the yeah, all, and then it was like a billion dolls. Yes, and that that's like like I'm 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 a, a, a grown man going on thirty in like four years. That right there, like, the, the hair on the back of my neck is stand up as we speak. Like, I'm tearing up. Like, that is my worst nightmare ever. I just do not like dogs. My best friend left a cabbage patch doll over here one time, and I duct taped that bitch in the closet and checked on it, like, every couple of hours to make sure the tape wasn't tampered with. I do not fuck with dogs. I hate them. Shout out to the cabbage patch. <laughs> I think he did it as a practical joke, because I was very unhappy for that week that he left that damn paw here. Wow. Sounds like someone needs to get, like, a replica of the Tales from the Hood doll. <laughs> I would jump clean out the window. I couldn't take it. And then, um, you know, because my, my family is predominantly down south. And my great-grandmother, she, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, with the decor of older down south uh, people, but they have these little dolls, and they're called toiletries, and, like, you would crochet a, a dress or something, and they would go on all, like, candlesticks and boxes of tissue, yeah. and there's just all little dolls and shit around the house, and I stayed at my great-grandmother's house one summer, or I don't know, a weekend, or whatever the case may have been, and she had all them fucking dolls around the house, and, you know, if the nighttime came, and all you see is these silhouettes of these dolls, like, I almost committed suicide in that damn house. Like, that was my, that was the worst. And they were all talking to you. Them. Luckily, they didn't. If they were talking, I wouldn't be here to talk to you to tell the tale, because I'd be dead. But I just, mm -mm, no, no dolls. That's, uh, that's just fantastic. <laughs> it's, I feel bad, because it is your pain. But, I mean, I just find that to be spectacular. It's fascinating. <laughs> like, people that are you know, scared of clowns, it's fascinating. <laughs> everybody has a hang-up. Unfortunately, mine's very weird and not normal. But, you know, other people are terrified of, you know, clowns. I mean, or I, shit, I don't like them either from it. But, you know, that's just the, the ranking one is dolls. Yeah. Wow. Aw. Well, as you go to uh, Masturbation Anonymous, you go to... Uh, Doll phobia anonymous. <laughs> right, two groups now. I got exactly. Speak Either that, or just call up Inyanla, and she'll fix your life. <laughs> Describe yourself in ten words or less. Um, 
unique, creative, intelligent, humble, um, charismatic, um, uh, resourceful, um, extrovert, humorous, um, driven and stylish. <laughs> okay, sounds good. As we start wrapping things up, I have this list of uh, five pop culture oriented questions that are designed to allow the listeners and your fans to get to know some of your favorites. So the first one is, what are five of your most favorite television shows? Now this can be a list of five of your current favorites or five of your all-time favorites. I just need five of your fave TV shows. All right. Golden Girls, Family Guy, Will and Grace, Martin, and... And... Hmm. Um, it's gotta be another one. What the hell? Uh, uh, right now we got four. Okay. Good choices, listeners. We'll all meet at Seduction's house this weekend to binge watch some good uh, TV. Make sure you guys bring snacks, cause uh, Seduction ain't cooking <laughs> for all y'all. <laughs> Who are four of your all-time favorite music artists? Beyonce, Luther Vandross, Patti LaBelle, Mariah Carey. Good choices as well. What are three of your most favorite films? Um, Death Becomes Her. Um, She-Devil. <laughs> and um hmm. <sighs> um hmm. um uh, I'll just so this happened, love and basketball. I mean, I enjoy it. Okay, good choices in movies. And I love that you shouted out Death Becomes Her and She-Devil. Definitely a Meryl Streep fan. That's fantastic. <laughs> what are two foods you can't live without? Bacon and uh, uh, macaroni and cheese. What about macaroni and cheese with bacon on top? Now, see, that right there is just a holiday. Like, that's wonderful. Exactly. <laughs> that's perfect. And what is one of your guilty pleasures? Well, we already said the porn thing. Um... Hmm... 
Uh, I guess overeating. <laughs> Is that does that count? <laughs> like, because I'm thinking of things that aren't necessarily good that you enjoy doing, and I'm a very heavy cooker. Like, I I anytime I cook, it's it's a meat. It's like two starches it's two vegetables like i cook very heavy and i considering i live by myself stay by myself and and cook for myself i tend to eat all of it so i would you know okay paula dean <laughs> everything starts out with a stick of butter <laughs> exactly as we start wrapping things up i want to talk a bit about uh one of uh, the mainstream productions that you're involved in, uh, there's a web series called Street Behavior. Can you mm -hmm. fill the listeners in on how you got involved uh, with that series and what they can expect from Seduction and Street Behavior? Um, Street Behavior is actually a spinoff from a show that I was actually holding the lead in, which was entitled Injustice by Jay Omar. And we spun off of that show. So uh, the creator and director and writer of that show was a co-colleague co uh, or co-star in that show. So that's how we knew each other. And he um, appreciated my work ethic and my ability to take on the emotions of a different character. So he felt the need to incorporate me in his vision. Um, that is a bit, it's what I appreciate about this show. It's very diverse. It's because, you know, uh, right now, anybody who has a camera phone feels the need to be a blogger or have a web series. So uh, with his, what I can appreciate is very diverse. It's not only to one community being like, because, you know, if it's, uh, it's not geared only towards African-American, it's not only geared towards the gay community it's definitely lgbt friendly but they have straight aspects of it they have you know good bad negative they got they got drug dealers they got anything that can possibly happen on the street or in your neighborhood around the corner he covers those aspects of life and you know we have all different all different people all different different ethnicities and all different walks of life that can participate in that show and um, what you can uh, look for me to bring is play a dual character. Um, so you, you can, uh, you can, I can bring uh, definitely versatility in my acting, considering I play two different individuals. Um, I try, I'll try, I try to bring raw emotion to it, and um, just uh, overall good performance and a good storyline to follow. Hopefully that's what I can offer the viewers for that. Nice. Sounds good. So where can the listeners check you out on Street Behavior? Um, well, he releases um, the, the episodes on a numerous, uh, on numerous uh, sites. But of, of course, the, the main site that you can view this on is YouTube. Okay. Sounds and you, know, you type, type in street behavior, you know, everything that he's done comes up. Fantastic, man. What else can the listeners expect from you in the near future? What's next for Seduction? 
Well, um, I was one of the co-hosts of the Do Dirty Show, which was 10 Years Strong. It was also a radio blog um, with uh, DJ Baker, myself, and Splash T. I have reached, I'm um, in the process of transitioning from radio to TV. I will now be on a new show that is um, going to air at the end of this month or or the beginning of March. I'm not sure, but it's called Sex Tales, and your boy Nunu will be producing it. And so that will be the next show that I will be um, uh, attributing to. Um, I'm one of four calls, and uh, we will be on local New York stations and online. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. How can your fans reach you? How can they keep in touch with Seduction? Where can they find you on the web, social media, all of the goodies? Um, well, my Facebook is my, my government name, which is Paris Buford, P-A-R-I-S-B-U-F-O-R-D. Uh, my Instagram, of course, is Seduction69, and it's spelled with a three, S3, Duction69. And my Twitter is Seduction692, which is spelled the same, S3, Duction692. All right now. Well, Seduction, this does bring us to the end of our interview. Is there anything that you would like to say to your fans and supporters out there? Well, I definitely just, it's, it's, it's very humbling and very, very, it keeps you motivated to just keep wanting to try to, to put anything out that, you know, perhaps people will uh, enjoy or feel the need to follow. So I'm definitely uh, encouraged to keep trying to, to uh, be part of things and I'm definitely appreciative of anybody and everybody who has taken an interest in me as an individual and the projects that I participate in so thank you and hopefully I will maintain producing things that you can uh, enjoy so again thank you again from the bottom of my heart sounds good seduction yeah you were absolutely phenomenal to interview I have to thank you so much for the interview Thank you for having me, definitely. You're welcome. Whenever you want to come back on and uh, fill the listeners in on what you've been up to, you're more than welcome to. All right, most of us. Once we get this show started, then I'll definitely be able to give give more information and what's going on and how to follow. And if you want to be a part of, then definitely be able to let you know. Sounds like a plan. Fantastic. And listeners, I also want to thank you for tuning into One on One with Poppy Chulo. Tune in for brand new episodes of One on One with Poppy Chulo every Wednesday and Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. You can download this episode and many more by visiting poppychuloradio.com forward slash archives. Registered users will gain access to the Poppy Chulo Radio archives of previously aired broadcasts. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com. Follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash poppy chulo radio and like us on facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash poppy chulo radio with that seduction and i would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night good night listeners bye from seduction himself everybody take care keep watching listening